Share Radio's thought for this week looks ahead to the coronation and is called Reigning Forwards or Reigning Back. It starts with a quotation from Trevor Phillips' essay in The Times last weekend. It is on the international stage that the new king may make his mark most tellingly. As we progress through the pomp and splendour of a coronation over the next few days, many will be asking themselves, what is the relevance of the monarchy in today's world? With a virtually symbolic political role, family discord which is straining the hereditary principle on which the royal family is based, and displays of opulence which contrast strongly with the Bank of England's instruction to us last week, that people need to accept that they are poorer, it can often appear to be only tradition which supports the establishment of monarchy. There is, however, a global perspective which our current set of international leaders find really challenging and which clearly resonates strongly with Charles's mindset. His late mother understood it fully and her greatest achievement was to transform an old-fashioned traditional empire into the family of nations which is now the Commonwealth. Will Charles reign forward, spending the majority of his time travelling the world and building one human family in which discord can become a thing of a past? Or will he just reign back here in the United Kingdom, allowing parochial pressures for contraction to eclipse this wider opportunity? The jury is out. So many of Charles's passions are wholly in the right place. For example, in his concern for the environment and in his commitment for young people, as shown through the Prince's Trust. He clearly sympathises with those whose lives are being ruined by conflict and poverty, although he may be at a loss at present to know how to tackle these evils. Meanwhile, His acceptance of people from all religious backgrounds and none is clear and welcome and next weekend's ceremonies will bear out his wish for inclusivity at all levels. So there's no doubt that he has the credentials for changing our world for the better and his role as head of the Commonwealth gives him the platform to do just that. I therefore strongly support the final section of Trevor Phillips' weekend essay in the Times, from which the quotation at the head of this commentary is drawn. As Trevor Phillips says, it is only by his actions that he can answer the question hanging in the air next Saturday. What exactly is the monarchy for? Here is that final section, which you can also find via the programme description links. Few people are as experienced and as effective at deploying his convening power as the new king. His technique of taking wealthy philanthropists and business leaders to deprived inner cities and refusing to let them leave without pledging to help could come in handy in such a drive. However, it is on the international stage that the new king may make his mark most tellingly. The divide emerging across the world could hardly be clearer. On one side, there is an axis of authoritarianism. China. Russia, Iran. Countries such as India, Poland, Hungary are drifting in that direction. The hundred or so nations that in effect regard themselves as non-aligned are weighing up the virtues of messy, noisy and disruptive democracy with its regard for freedom of speech and plurality of views against the efficiency of China's one-party state, 
which can reasonably claim to have lifted hundreds of millions out of abject poverty. All too many are tilting the wrong way. There is just one pan-global club that could be the basis for a fight back against Putin's cynicism and the ruthlessly effective realism of the Chinese Communist Party, the Commonwealth. In a nerveless stroke of raw political power, the late Queen named her son as successor of the Global Alliance. It was a daring move. Many had made noises about their refusal to bow the knee to the crown, and muttered about electing a leader not from the old mother country. She dared them to defy her. They blinked and acceded to his leadership. Charles can now, if he wants to, use his ascendancy to promote democracy and freedom. He has already declared his support for Ukraine, strikingly sending his son William on a high-profile visit to a Polish base near the battle zone. As Prince of Wales, he pointedly snubbed China's leader during his last state visit. He cannot do so now as king, but he can be an active leader for the Commonwealth's values. I suspect he won't shrink from taking on some of the Alliance's own backsliders, arguing that we can hardly criticise China, Russia or Iran when some of our own allies undermine democratic freedoms by, for example, persecuting gay people and rival ethnic groups. This is an exercise in soft power that a divided, fractious US shows no sign of being able to pull off. Our king is restless, driven and capable, summoning up great force and prosecuting his own beliefs on the environment, architecture and farming. But he knows his years of waiting were a rehearsal for the real thing, a life in which his passions must now become those of his people. His campaigns advance the interests of the state. Will he apply his prodigious energies to those demands? I for one hope he does, as I believe he can really make a difference. And only he, by his actions, can answer the question that will be hanging in the air next Saturday. What exactly is the monarchy for? In the first few years of, and throughout, Queen Elizabeth's reign, she travelled extensively, building relationships throughout the newly formed Commonwealth and many other countries. As those who have watched The Crown will recall, some of these could not even start to have been tackled by traditional politicians. Almost single-handed, she built a family of nations unparalleled in human history, living with a respect for one another and able to tackle the global challenges with a genuine concern for the long-term future, something which short-term democratic politicians find deeply challenging, as we noted on 14th of November 2022. Charles now needs to draw up those themes in which he can become the catalyst for global responsibility. At the head of his list will, of course, be the environment and rebuilding our respect for the natural world. But not far behind must be a concern for everyone to share in the opportunities of wealth creation and to build global acceptance of the constitutional implications required to enable its long-term vibrancy through intergenerational rebalancing. His role, therefore, needs to be as global ambassador, using his stature as monarch and head of the Commonwealth to bring real change. Charles has travelled a long way since his early days as an undergraduate at Trinity College, Cambridge. I was there myself, a year or two behind him, but we never had the opportunity to meet. It's a big college. The photograph of him, which has been carried by the BBC and various newspapers over last weekend, conveys the anxiety and strain that he must have experienced. And over these past 50 years, 
he has clearly found confidence in a new stability. I wish him well over the years ahead, and I hope he goes on to achieve the same degree or more global integration that his mother achieved. Many international leaders will gather for the coronation next Saturday, and this will be a great opportunity to build first-hand relationships to the extent that they do not already exist. This should be followed by an intense programme of world travel. So please, Your Majesty, delegate your tasks here in the United Kingdom to others and focus on the opportunity to achieve the one human family for all our descendants, which should be our legacy.